Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's a wonderful little story that is told about rituals and rules being passed on from generation to generation. Whenever Mary baked ham, the ends were always cut off on the ham. Well, one time, Mary's daughter asked her, Mom, why do you always cut off the ends of the ham? And Mary replied, well, I don't know. That's what my mother, your grandmother, always did. So I do too. Now, Mary was kind of curious about this since she could think of no good reason, really, that the ham was cut off on on both ends. So she sought out her mom to ask her about it. But Mary's mom didn't know either. She just said the same thing Mary said. Well, that's the way mom always did it. Well, Mary thought, I do have one more chance to find out since my grandmother who's 95 years old, is still quite lucid. So, Mary visited her grandmother and the great-grandmother of her daughter. Why, Grandma, did you always cut the ends off the ham when you baked it? We still do that today, but we don't know why we do it. And at this, Grandma laughed and she said, You still cut off the ends of the ham? I only did that during the Depression. When we had few pots and pans, and the biggest pan that we had was too small for the ham. So I had to cut off the ends of it to make it fit in the pan. See, there's particular circumstances in a historical time. And then it dawned on Mary. The light bulb went on. I have plenty of room in my pan. I have a big pan. There is no need whatsoever to cut off the ends of the ham. All I was doing over the years was wasting food. <laughs> Indeed, we all live with rules and rituals, and, and, and generally, every one of them came into being for a reason, and usually a good reason, because they fit the time and the situation because they helped people get on with their life, or be fed, or be safe, or be good, whether on behalf of your neighbor or on your behalf. But sometimes, when times change, the rules that once fit no longer fit, or maybe they don't fit all the time, as Beth reminded us in her children's sermon and in our text today. The point is, Rules are only there properly to make life better. When they hinder life or waste time and energy, they no longer fit and they lose their value. At first, the ham didn't fit in the pan, so a practice uh, and a rule was developed. But eventually, the rule itself didn't fit because it no longer served a useful purpose. Such was the case with Jesus and his disciples who happened to be walking through someone's grain fields one Sunday afternoon, uh, plucking heads of grain to eat. It's the sort of thing that might get you in trouble today. 
course, it did then too. Now, in ancient Palestine, there was nothing wrong with plucking grain to eat from someone else's fields. This was particularly true if you were poor and hungry, as Jewish culture always viewed a farmer's fields as available for the poor. The truth is the disciples were poor as they had given up their holdings and possessions to follow Jesus. They also had no place to lay their head. And they, they really truly did live day to day relying on the graces of those around them. So, nothing wrong with plucking heads of grain to satisfy their hunger, right? <laughs> Except this. It was the Sabbath, a day of rest. You see, there were many laws set up in Jewish culture to enforce honoring the Sabbath. All of them, all of the laws, centered on the idea that there would be no work, only rest, worship, and play. It's a good idea. If these laws were believed to be from God himself and part of the law of Moses. Now, while plucking heads of grain seems innocent enough, the act of gathering food was forbidden, as that was considered work. Now, Jesus didn't say these laws were wrong, as honoring the Sabbath was very, very important to a Jewish person. It was a way of getting reconnected to God, remembering who you were, really. Jesus was only suggesting here that some of these laws didn't always fit the situation. In other words, if these laws actually hinder life and sustenance, they do not accomplish what they're supposed to do. In this case, Jesus didn't criticize the law, only that sometimes it is superseded by something more important. For instance, if someone is poor or hungry, they must eat, right? To the point, if a law to honor the Sabbath prevents a hungry person from eating, this is no longer a day of rest for that person, but a time of anxiety. Where and when will I eat next? Does that sound like Sabbath for that person? So, when the Pharisees criticized Jesus for letting his disciples break the law of Moses, Jesus points out that this law has already been broken by no one less than King David himself, as we read in our lesson from 1 Samuel. When David and his companions entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and ate the bread of the presence, which meant it was an offering to God, not food in a food shelf available to whoever wanders in to eat it. And to drive the point home further, Jesus points out that the priests themselves break this law all the time. But clearly, Jesus implies that's okay in certain situations. And here's where Jesus makes two crucial points. First, Jesus quotes the words of his father who says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This is in reference to worship practices. And it simply means that mercy to one's fellow human being in a time of need takes precedence over offering sacrifices in worship to please God. God's almost saying, the needs of your neighbor are more important 
than you honoring me. Love your neighbor. That's the most important thing. Nothing is more pleasing to God in the end than loving and helping your neighbor, even if it means doing some sort of work and breaking a Sabbath law to do so. Human needs take precedent over trying to appease God or win points by following all the rules. There's a contemporary tie-in here. Joel Osteen uh, failed to recognize, I think, that the needs of the homeless residents of Houston take precedence over keeping his worship arena pristine. Whatever sacrifices Austin and all his worshipers make by giving money to maintain this high-profile ministry and former NBA arena where they worship, these sacrifices mean very little if mercy is not practiced and the poor and the homeless are not helped. All the laws and protocols that keep our ducks in a row must sometimes be set aside when human need rears its head, when mercy is called for, when laws fail to help us with mercy, those laws become obsolete real fast. And our sacrifices are vain. Kind of like trimming the ends of the ham. But Jesus is going one step further here. Not only is he posing an interpretation of the law that many of Jesus' contemporary rabbis would recognize and respect, namely, the obligation of a higher duty, love over legalism. Jesus takes it further when he says, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. Pay attention to this one. Jesus is referring to himself. He's not just making an ethical point here. Where Jews believed that God resided in the temple, now Jesus is saying that God resides in him. Jesus, the living word. And what is Jesus about? He's not a new and better lawgiver like Moses, I'll tell you that. We know Jesus from what? Take your pick. The feeding of the 5,000. From healing, forgiving, exercising demons to free people from that which afflicts them. From Jesus giving his own self that we may live instituting the Lord's Supper as a means for us to remember this, to celebrate this, to be fed by this so that we may live and love. And while Jesus always respected the law, he also saw how laws can be used to oppress others and how some laws don't always apply in every time and place. God has come to us in Jesus to feed and nourish us not give us more rules. And through the Lord's Supper, we are given strength to love our neighbor in whatever form it takes. This last week, a group of influential uh, right-wing evangelical Christians came out with a statement called the Nashville Statement. Anybody uh, read about that or read the statement? Well, it's a statement that got quite a bit of play in in social media and in in the media at large. A sort of doubling down on intolerance 
for GLBTQ persons, signed by so many prominent evangelical right leaders. This is a good modern-day example. In so doing, the Nashville statement, in my estimation, they are opting for the enforcement of a worldview of sexuality from a very different time and place, and doing so at the expense of mercy. To be clear, in biblical times, there was little tolerance for those who engaged in same-sex relations, partly because there were terrible cultural practices at this time that exploited same-sex relations. It was also true that those folks then were asking very different questions about sexuality and human behavior than we are now. But the truth is, many of the laws and rules and norms in our Bible don't always fit every time and place, nor was that ever God's intention. Martin Luther made that very clear 500 years ago, distinguishing different kinds of law. That's because this, this life thing is lived in real time, down here on the ground. Conditions change and people learn new things, calling for new understandings and laws. And yes, this is God's intention, that we work things through and wrestle with the questions. And like the law about not collecting food on the Sabbath that prevented some people who were hungry from being fed, so too some of the ancient rules that we assume to be true for us today from the Bible may actually prevent some people from being fed and receiving what they need. Above all, mercy. Then, they are not useful. Women ought not speak up in church, let alone become leaders. Does that sound useful for us today or of God? It's biblical. Slaves, submit to your masters? Excuse me? Paul wrote that in the Bible. We no longer believe this is God's will for us today. And here's a good one. Unruly adolescents should be executed by their parents. <laughs> yeah. We no longer believe this is God's will for us today. doesn't sound like it is of God for those of us in the 21st century. I, I close simply with this. We all need to remember Jesus' words here. God desires mercy toward our neighbor above all. God wants nothing more than to restore, help, forgive and include all of those around us, especially the most vulnerable, the ones often left out. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and seeks to feed all of his children, to help them love and to have a life that flourishes. Amen.